Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Let's take our congregational prayer one more time this morning. As you say with me, I affirm that the Lord is my refuge. And my fortress. He is my habitation. In him I live and move and have my being. He is my rock, my life, and my righteousness. And by him I reign and prevail over adversities and win every day in life. By righteousness. righteousness. He is my helper. helper. The one who upholds me with his righteous right hand. The stronghold of my life. Is my ever present help in trouble. For he has become my salvation. I count on God's rule to prevail. So I take heart. And gain strength. He makes my feet. Like the feet of a deer. So I operate as a king of the mountain because my heart trusts in him. God gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Therefore, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I carry with me God's divine presence to influence and affect my word positively establishing the peace righteousness love joy health and prosperity of the kingdom and revealing the victorious life in Christ I belong to Christ and nothing Absolutely nothing shall by enemies hurt me. No evil shall befall me. Neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. I am blessed beyond the curse. Established beyond oppression. Protected beyond terror. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And any tongue that rises against me in judgment is condemned. This is my heritage. As a servant of the Lord, and my righteousness is from God. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody praise the Lord.
seated in his presence. Good morning, God bless you. Amen. Say to your neighbor, peace to you. Peace to your house. And peace to all that you have. In the mighty name of Jesus. I welcome you to the final service of the Lateran Assembly, the End Time Church. <laughs> Some are clapping and others are not clapping. Just do it by faith anyway. I enjoy it when it rains on a day like this to shut you inside. Since now you're not in a hurry to go home, you are stuck with me for this final lottery service. Next Sunday will be the Nagra Citadel service. And I want you to be full of expectations. Be expectant of the now things that God will do in our midst. He's taking away the old in order to establish the new. And we are not going to cling to the old. Uh, Today's message is titled... No covenant can be annulled once it is entered into. No covenant. Let me use the biblical language as it is used. And I'll give you the reference later. No one can annul a confirmed covenant. No one can annul a confirmed covenant. Um to bati pinun la kore koseni to leda duro. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 to 24. Genesis 14, 18 to 24. And then I will read Genesis 17, 1 to 8. Genesis 14, 18 to 24. And Genesis 17, 1 to 8. This is part of the series, the El Shaddai anointing, and this is part three. No one can annul a confirmed covenant. The Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered 
your enemies into your hand. And he, Abraham, gave him Melchizedek a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I've raised my hand to the Lord. God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Except only what the young men have eaten, and a portion of the men who went with me, Ana, Eskol, and Mamre, let them take their portion. Genesis 17, 1 to 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. The living translation says, I am El Shaddai. Obey me and live as you should. And I will make what? My covenant between me and you. And we multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Tell your neighbor, you cannot put a new wine in an old wine skin. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. You will read this with me because it's critical and it's important as far as the message today is concerned. Ready? Read. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. For what? I can hear you. Does that have expiry date? Does he have time limit for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you? Next verse. Ready? Read. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger or the land of Canaan as what? I can't hear you. Everlasting covenant for everlasting possession, and now we be their God. The message today is born out of a deep concern for the church, the church of the living God, and its teeming population of poor saints. I call upon God who brought me out of obscurity into prominence to open your ears to hear. Your eyes to see and to behold wondrous things in his word. Even as we come today around an everlasting covenant governing an everlasting possession 
given to all the descendants of Abraham. Tell your neighbor that includes you. The message is titled, No One Can Annul a Confirmed Covenant. I want you to keep turning. The sentence I'm about to make in Yoruba language, in your mind, throughout this message. The Yoruba people say, There's nothing that is given to you to eat that will not finish. There's nothing you have now that will not finish except the blessing of the Lord. Say with me. Only God can enter into an everlasting covenant governing everlasting possession. That you will not be going from 30 to 60 to 100 or from 100 to 60 to 30 but you remain stable as part of the 100 fold company. Everlasting covenant governing everlasting possession. That will be true to all descendants throughout their generations. That you get to a place in life that once you cross that threshold, generation after you, if they continue to do the same things that you have done, will never lack any good thing. When I tell my stories, they sound like a tale to my children. And I told them how I carry firewood to my neck broke. I went to the public tap 64 times a day to fetch water to earn three shillings from going back and forth 64 times to fill eight ports to save for my secondary school education. When I told them that when my primary school mates who left school with me the same year in 1966 went to secondary school, they were in from four when I eventually made it to from one. It sounds like tale. How can that be? You know why? If they have carried any load, it's their small brain in their head. Nobody has compelled them to carry anything to earn any money. So if we have to tell our stories, theirs will be different from mine. And that's why God looks for the, probably the poorest of all, to lift up. So that they can later write, this poor man cried, and the Lord had him. And delivered him from all his troubles. It does not matter where you are today, God is going to lift you up. That is not just a wishful statement. I'm saying if you listen to me, because God is no respecter of persons, and you do what is prescribed, you'll get the same result that Abraham got. You'll get the same result that his descendants got. I'm taking you through an everlasting covenant that governs everlasting possession that will be true to generation after generation after you in the name of Jesus. I also believe that this simple message... We keep you away from every erroneous thought regarding giving and generosity towards God all throughout the days of your life. 
Please be honest with me. We are in the presence of God. How many of you have listened to teachers who had thought that tithing is old and is not part of New Testament reality, talk less of the now testament. How many of you believe that those teachers from the preponderance of biblical evidence they've given you, you think or you have entertained the thought that you think they are right? Be honest with me. Let me see your hand up. Be honest. There's one usher there. Please be honest with me. Okay, because I'm not going to rubbish what you believe. I'm just going to set a straight stick beside a crooked stick. And then ask you to make up your mind thereafter. Uh, Do you understand me? Last Sunday, I shared with you three unique ways that Abraham gave to God. Number one, he paid Melchizedek, tied of all the spoils. Yes or no? Genesis 14, Hebrews 7. You find the truth there. That's the first way that he expressed is given. He paid tight to Melchizedek, king of Salem. Number two, he demonstrated his generosity towards God by meeting urgent needs. And I established two ways or two examples in the Bible. The way he responded to Lot's captivity. With all that Lot did to him, the moment he had, he had been taken captive, he deployed all his resources, his armed forces, he armed them and led them to battle. He went also. Risking his life for the sake of his brother, of his nephew, to meet that urgent need. And he did it not expecting anything in return. He was altruistic. You recall that? He also met the urgent need of the Lord. The Lord showed up in his tent in Genesis 18. And this man almost... uh, 90 years old, if not more, about 99, he ran into the tent, commanded his wife, Sarai, go quickly into the kitchen and, and, and bake some cake, ran into the flock, into his servants, and took the best of the flock. He said, I want barbecue immediately. They want some lamb chops. He ran here, he ran there, and he set the food before them. And they ate, and he didn't eat. Can you cook your meal and give to others? And it was after they ate, they said, where is your wife, Sarai? And spoke, and according to the season of life, you are carrying your baby into the citadel. You're not hearing me. I said, we will dedicate your baby right in the citadel. 
we will dance, we will rejoice. It will be a long celebration in the name of Jesus Christ. Because your children are going to be part and parcel of those using the hall of the mighty. In the name of Jesus. Tell your neighbor there is a hall in that place. It's called the hall of the mighty. In the name of Jesus. He quickly responded and met the urgent needs of man and the urgent needs of God. Were you then shocked? Or is it surprising to you that God ate man's food? Because he knew he would have to release all the manna from heaven. Abraham already paid for it when he gave his food to God. So that God can give the food of angels to his own descendants. Another key woman in the Bible that learned how to meet Ojanese was a great woman of Shunem. He saw Elisha passing by and he went to her husband because she was set under authority. I perceive this is a holy man of God. That's the title every man of God should bear. I perceive this man is a holy man of God that passes us by us daily. Let us make a little place for him. It's called a prophet's chamber. Let's put a table there, a bed there, and a lamp there. So that instead of him staying in motels or hanging around, he has a permanent place he can stay. He did not know that the bed that he provided will be the contact point for resurrection power to raise his son from the dead. She did not do it for what she could get. She was altruistic. But when she learned to meet other needs, God showed up to meet the needs that our money cannot buy. Our contacts cannot furnish. Because when Elisha said, shall I mention your name to the king or the captain of the God? He said, I live amongst my people. They come here for dinner. I know them all. And Gehazi said, she has no child. Said, Is that it? Money can't buy that. According to the season of life, but this time next year, End of story. When you meet urgent needs, Titus says, teach our people to meet urgent needs so that they will not be unfruitful. So Abraham paid his tithe. Abraham met urgent needs. And finally, he gave the sacrifice of all sacrifices. When he took his only begotten son to Mount Moriah, according to the word of the Lord, to offer the hope of his future into the hands of God as a born sacrifice. When he finished, God stopped him. And God made provision even before the need arose. And he said, Abraham, in that you do not keep your son from me by myself, have I sworn. What does that mean? He looked at all of heaven. There's no one greater than him. All of the earth, no one greater than him. Under the earth, no one greater. He said, since there is no one greater than I am, I swear by myself. In blessing, I will surely bless you. In multiplying, I will surely multiply you. And he added what he had never said before this sacrifice. Your seed shall possess the gates of their enemy. That's what Christ came to do. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Of all these 
demonstrations of Abraham's generosity. The one that has generated heat in the church in recent times and has created a lot of waves is a tight payment. How many of you are living witnesses of the noise being made by the uninitiated irritants who became holier than God himself in matters of tight? They call everybody name. If anyone ever says people should pay tight, it's part of the oppressive, ironic priesthood, Jesus had taken it away. No statement or belief can be more erroneous than that. So I present to you today a truth that you must hold on to once you check it out and believe it that no one can annul any covenant that has been confirmed. Let me go step by step into this message in a very simple way that will cause the blind to see and the deaf to hear. Number one, I will be the first to admit that ironic priesthood and all the law relating to tightening is obsolete. All the laws, that is, if you are viewing tight from the point of law, that is gone. You do not curse people and say you are cursed because you are not paying your tithe or that because you don't pay your tithe, that's why you are tight financially. No. I will lead you step by step and I want you to write this down, ponder upon this point, check the word and listen to the Holy Spirit of God in your private meditation. Number one, the change of priesthood that took place suggests to me, according to the word of God, that a change of principle must also take place. Hebrews chapter 7 verses 11 and 12. I'll be the first to admit that a change of priesthood warrants a change of principle. Hebrews 7 verses 11 and 12. It reads, and I quote, Therefore, if perfection were through the liftical priesthood, for under it, the people received the law. What further need was there that another priest should arise According to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there's also a change of the law. Now, if you take that midstream that way, 
you will not know that the whole uh, argument here or the submission here centers around tithing. And the one paid to Aaronic priesthood, Levites, and the one paid to Melchizedek. That's why it's saying, what is saying that a change had taken place. Let's begin from Hebrews 7, verse 1. Hebrews 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, we're not told who his father was, who his mother was, he just showed up like Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. That's all you heard. We're not told their genealogy. Don't think that it's not a man, it's an angel. No, 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 no. He's representing something that higher than himself. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, have neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was. I told you he was a man. To whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed those who are the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law. There was no law when Abraham paid his own tithe to Melchizedek. This law is what has changed. Have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law that is from their brethren. Go on. Though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Right there you have two sets of priesthood and two sets of principle governing tithing. The first is the one that Abraham participated in when he gave his tithes to Melchizedek. The second one is the one established by law. Melchizedek did not make any demand from Abraham. Intuitively, from inside of him, he knew this was the right thing to do. Melchizedek was already king. He did not need the tithe of Abraham to be king. Are you with me? So there are two systems here and two priesthoods here. One is Melchizedek. The other is Aaronic priesthood. Established through law that people must give tithes to the Is that clear? I'll be the first to admit that that change of priesthood necessitates a change of governing principle. Is that clear to you? Or let's read verse 12 again. Hebrews 7, 12. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there's also a change of the law. Okay. Number two. We're doing some critical thinking this morning. (laughs) It's called disputing in the word. The school of reasoning. 
I also wholeheartedly agree with the truth that we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Because of a change of priesthood, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. Hebrews 13, 7 to 10. Hebrews 13, verse 7 to 10. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Give that to me, please. Give that verse to me in the NIV. NIV. Verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You'll be shooting yourself in the foot. If by God's grace, I go through process and show you the way to prosper. And somebody tells you it's obsolete without you checking the word. And because of their stature or what you think they have, you drop what you have learned and embrace error. That error will eventually uh, produce all the negativities in your life. I do not claim monopoly of wisdom. That's why I lay everything line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, a little here and a little there. Are you with me? Consider, give it to me again. Remember those who rule over you? No, in NIV, please. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Have I demonstrated my faith to you in the building of the citadel? Are you in doubt that this is a faith project? Because if there's anything done shortly, it's a matter of time it will all be exposed. But if it's been done by faith, then you need to emulate what I carry. Let's read on. Jesus Christ is the same. I can't hear you. Jesus Christ is the same. And when? Today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. Verse 10, ready, read. We have an altar from which those who minister the tabernacle have no right to eat. There are certain things that are ours that were given to us before Aaronic priesthood started. An everlasting covenant entered into between God and Abraham for everlasting possession. That is true to all descendants from generation to generation. You cannot... You cannot abandon that and expect God to bless you like he did with Abraham. Look at the product, the end product of Abraham's obedience to God. I told you if there's any legacy Abraham left behind is a legacy of obedience. Obey me! 
and live as you should. If you don't, you live below standard. Genesis 24, verse number 1. Genesis 24, verse number 1. Genesis 24, verse 1. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in some things. In a few things. In many things. In all things. Is that still available? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's true to all descendants of Abraham. Question. Why are those under the ironic priesthood forbidden from eating from our own altar? They are forbidden because of their lack of restraint and discipline, especially the altar contempt displayed in the way and manner the corrupt sons of Eli dealt with the offerings of the people and of God. They were forbidden forever not to eat from our altar because they lack restraint, they lack discipline, in the corrupt manner they dealt with the offering of God and offering of the people. Their greed and covetousness, like some of the descendants of Aaron today, of, of that priesthood today, their greed and covetousness led to their terrible death and that of their father. First Samuel chapter 2. Verse 12 to 17. First Samuel 2, 12 to 17. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And yet they were priests. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, and the priest would take for himself all that the fresh flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give me for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. And if the man said to him, They should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, he would then answer him, no, but you must give it now. And if not, I would take it by force. It's called by fire, by force. Therefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. These petty, irritant apostates who were teaching that the tithe is obsolete because it's part of a ironic priesthood. Capitalize on the excesses of the sons, modern sons of Aaron in the midst of the church. And they began themselves to teach erroneous things to correct erroneous ways. Error cannot correct error. Normally, the meat should be boiled 
and the priest comes with a three-pronged hook, it's given to them. And whatever that flesh hook takes is theirs. But they say, no, 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 no. Before you burn the fat, the fat is supposed to be something you offer to God. That's what it's before you burn the fat. I want it raw. I want my raw blessing. I want it now. And if you do not give it, I will take it by force. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today. But it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's word. This message will continue in a subsequent episode. I pray that the truth you have embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye for now.